Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. They spiked it on first down, wasted that. Right. Did I lose you both? Good Lord. All right. This is the Press Box. Did we just lose Tyler? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It looks like we've lost Tyler and uh, Ed. Well, this is good. With Grainy and Bischoff. Oh, it's great, Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Jared. I'm an idiot. All right, here we go on a Wednesday. It's Ed, Tyler, Danny running the show. Tyler's not here, though. Tyler is a huge Houston Astros fan, and he goes where they go. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I hope yeah. you can hear me. Uh, no, I can hear you. I can hear you. You're, uh, you took off yesterday after the show to go watch your Astros. Uh, a good night for you. Well, the Diamondbacks are terrible, and it They're took horrible. to the ninth inning for the Astros to take the lead. <laughs> so a little more stressful than I the di- Listen, the Diamondbacks don't have a single player in their lineup right now with a batting average over 300. There's only two with a batting average over 200. My I know we're goodness. like five games into the season. But every single guy that came, they have more guys with no hits on the season than guys hitting over 200. Ouch. You got one <laughs> more game today. What's at noon? Uh, 12.40 start today. 12.40 start. Boy, you go and, everywhere at this team. And by the way, it was freezing yesterday. All, Inside? As win, as w- well, they kept the roof open. Ooh. As windy as it was in Vegas, that's what it was here, too. And for whatever reason, they decided, let's open up the roof. And oh, let the wind what a disaster. In. It was but cold I, inside. Were you freezing? Yes. Oh, unbelievably cold. We moved up out of our seats somewhere where we thought the wind wouldn't blow quite as hard on us. Two positive things. One, the Wi-Fi in that ballpark is incredible. I watched the entire Golden Knights game on my phone. Really? Yeah. Oh, incredible. Had no issues whatsoever. Fantastic. And two, at their concession stands, they have, you can get a hot dog or a corn dog for less than $2.50. That sounds like Atlanta prices. That's Those incredible. are nice. I like I was, that. Yeah, I was like, I mean, you, they still have very expensive stuff you can also buy if you feel like blowing fifty dollars at the concession stand. But two very positive things about Arizona's ballpark, aside from them keeping the roof open and making me cold last night. Is it weird that you watched a baseball game and the Knights at the same time, and I just stayed with the Dodgers? <laughs> and it included. I got to the Knights uh, when the uh, when the heavens opened in Minnesota, and it was just pouring. They had to go on the rain delay. And uh, the whole time watching the Knights, I didn't really care. I was just so nervous that when the Dodgers got back, they would have lost the mojo. Weren't they up the, seven to one? They were up seven to one. But I said, you know what? <laughs> They're getting cold in the dugout. They're getting cold in the in, in the uh, in the in the room in there. And uh, they're going to come out and lose their mojo. They came out, gave up a run. I was gripping it. Eleven o'clock. I think it was no. It was ten o'clock. Ten o'clock our time when they finally you, got back on. You might be the worst fan. Yes. Like genuinely might be. Genuinely the worst. By the way. Worst. I did want to let you know, in our hotel room, I unplugged the refrigerator because it's right behind where I'm sitting, and it was like just making a loud running noise, so I just unplugged it so it didn't come through in the uh, background. So is, ho- hopefully is I don't get your girlfriend with you? No, my dad's with me. My uh, dad drove down, and, and he came. To your poor dad me. has to go through this and listen to all this? Yeah, well, he listens to the show every day, uh, so now he'll... He's the one. Probably screws him up. He's only going to hear half of it right now. I don't know if he's going to go back and listen just to hear what you have no, to say. No, well, there would be no reason to do that. <laughs> Why would he do that? Tell your dad he's, he's got to get better things to do if he's ever doing something like that. As our friend uh, Shermer said the other day. You there? I'm here. Who's, who was the guy who, t- who tweeted? Shermer? Shermer. What did Shermer tweet? That the only good thing I do is the voice? 
Oh, that was Sploosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sploosh for sure. Yeah, yeah, the only yeah, good thing yeah. about it is, yeah, is the is voice. voice. Yeah, well, good for you, Sploosh. Here we go. No other contributions. <laughs> the first bite. Did the Golden Knights gain or lose a point last night? I think because everyone they're chasing won. I want to say they lost a point last night. Thank you. Thank everyone else you. won. Yes. Here's the thing. The Golden Knights are not chasing some point total. They're chasing actual teams that are also accumulating points. So last night was last night was the worst moral victory you can have. I mean, yeah. I guess it's worse than losing in regulation. So Shea Theodore tying the game with 41 seconds left was better than losing the game in the final minute there. But LA won, Dallas won. Those are the two teams Vegas could conceivably catch. Mainly, we've been focused on the LA Kings here. But the Golden Knights only got a point last night. And it took all of two games for the Golden Knights to not control their own destiny anymore. They can win out. They can win every single game the rest of the season and not make the playoffs if the LA Kings do the same exact thing. So that that was a point loss last night. As nice as a two-goal comeback in the third period is, as as great as it feels to score a goal in the final minute to tie it up, when you give up a goal 40 seconds into overtime and you don't get that second point when everybody you're chasing won, you lost a point. Yeah, you you're, lost a you're point. Now, you're three points back of the LA Kings right now. And here's here's the scary part. If the LA Kings win against Colorado tonight, which oh. is unlikely, but if they beat the Avalanche tonight, I mean, we're looking around. We might be saying it's over tomorrow. Oh, I, I, wait I, I a minute you, now. Hold on. I told you, you said next your hot Monday. take is you wouldn't say it's over until next Monday. Yeah, but uh, it'll, it'll be a precursor to a hot take if, if L.A. beats Colorado tonight. Because, listen, we've talked about their schedule. That's the one playoff team that's left on the Kings' schedule. And if they, if they beat the one good team left on the schedule, last night losing in overtime, that absolutely crushed the Golden Knights. Because, again... You're not chasing a, a certain there's not it's not like oh get to ninety five points. Right. You're, you're chasing three teams. You're chasing teams who are also accumulating points. And last night they accumulated two points while you got one. So in reality, you lost a point last night. Big it's, win for Dallas last enough. night. Yeah. Being and, I mean that was huge. It is. Dallas gets a big win. Um I mean, it's not a good opponent, but I think anytime LA wins, we're considering it a good yes. win for LA yeah. because yeah. basically every true. yeah, every win gets them one step closer to the playoffs and especially when Vegas basically blows it. And that's the other reason last night's game is a point lost. They're on a three game road trip in Canada. That's the easiest team they're playing on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. They never win in Calgary. And I think that's who they get next. Now they'll probably win now that I said that, but I mean, they don't, they not only don't win in Calgary, they usually get beat up in Calgary. Yeah, I mean, they don't, it's not three, two, it's like six, one. Yeah, like if you were any of the games on this road trip, you were picking which one is Vegas for sure going to win, you would have picked Vancouver last night. Because it's also, the gold, like just like the Golden Knights never win in Calgary, the Golden Knights almost never lose in Vancouver. Like yeah. they have been dominant. Is, they had the won 13 straight, I think, in regulation before they lost 5-1. to one, And then they lose last night. Um, uh, did they lose three straight? I'm trying to think when Vancouver no, came No, no, just okay. the two. Okay, just so the, the two. two of the three in Vancouver. So And they won 13 straight against Vancouver. So, yeah, that's not very good. Now they go they go back-to-back. Let me ask you this. Did you see enough from Leonard last night to where you've changed your mind that back-to-back we're going to get Logan Thompson one of these games? Um, I think the Golden Knights might be out of the playoff picture before the season ends, and then we might see Logan Thompson to finish out the year because the games don't matter. 
I hmm. think that might be what happens. I mean, maybe not mathematic. I don't know. We'll see. I think, but I think there's a good chance at this point the Golden Knights might be mathematically eliminated for by the second or last game of the season. That we might see Logan Thompson in that back-to-back or the final game, just because it doesn't matter and Robin Leonard. Well, yeah, it will matter or something. Uh, we'll, yeah. we'll see how healthy he is. The my here's my real question: This team going to score a power play goal? Special teams once again last night. Just two for three for Vancouver, over three for uh, um, the Knights. I know uh, over last eighteen. I know Dave Shane had it. It was like what was two for thirty something. It's just it's and h- how can it be? Just an issue this long. It's not just last night. It's not just this season. I mean, their it's, power play has just been awful. It's unreal how many times this year they've had a streak where they're like, oh, they're 0 for 10, oh, yeah. they're 0 for 12, 0 for 13, oh, 0 for 18. Like, it's unbelievable. And last night you get three power plays. You get two in the third period. You're, you're chasing a game and you get two in the third period and do nothing on them to the point where last night all power plays combined, zero high danger chances. Two shots. Zero high danger chances and almost nothing on goal either. Um, listen, there have been times this year where the talent is something to blame on the power play, right? When Keegan Kolasar is playing power play minutes, you look around and you say, okay, I don't really expect them to have a good power play if Keegan Kolasar's out there. I know they're not necessarily all 100% healthy, but you've got Mark Stone, Max Pacioretty, Jack Eichel, William Carlson, Jonathan Marshall, Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo healthy. Yeah. You've got to have a better power play. They're They're on the ice. Yeah, you've got to have a competent looking power play and it's and that's the other part it's the golden knights it's often not just oh they don't score it's they had zero high danger chances on any of their power plays last night that's atrocious and here's like we've talked a lot about uh front office versus pete DeBoer, where the blame goes who bill foley blames does somebody get fired if they miss the playoffs like we talked a lot about that because this was a stanley cup contender who's probably going to miss the playoffs and that generally leads means somebody gets fired i do wonder if the most likely scenario is simply the assistant coaches get wiped out because we've seen well steve spot was initially in charge of it they took the responsibilities away from him mid-season hasn't exactly gotten better i i wonder if that's sort of the the olive branch or something like hey you know pete DeBoer, you'll stick around but you got to bring in all yeah. new assistant coaches that, and i we haven't I, talked about that but the more you say that that makes a lot of sense because if they don't make the playoffs, for and we've said, will Bill Foley say, oh, it's the injuries, the injuries. But with this power play, that makes a lot of sense that, that they could be the fall guy. You know, they could be they could be the fall guy for, you know, things that, you know, um, might might be the default of people above them, but they could be the fall guys for that. I mean, it this is this is too simplistic to actually state, but if the Golden Knights end up missing the playoffs by like two games, right? Something, some very, or two points, like really something really small in terms of a margin, right? And you look back, you can probably blame the power play as to why. Like you can look back and say, listen, if this team had been as competent on the power play as expected, they'd be in playoffs. Right now, if you just look at goals per minute on the power play, they're 24th. They're behind the San Jose Sharks. They're behind the Ottawa Senators. They're behind the Chicago Blackhawks. They're behind the Buffalo Sabres. Like, they're behind bad teams when it comes to how often they score on a power play. And I think, like, you can probably, they finished, let's say, three points out, right? A a win and an overtime loss throughout the, is all they would have needed to get in the playoffs this year. 
it's pretty easy to look around and say, if you've just been an average power play, you're in the playoffs and you're in the playoffs yeah. easily. And I think that's a very fair thing to expect. Absolutely. This team have an I don't think average it's too simplistic. So I, I think that might be the off season, what happens in the off season as far as changes go. The well, there has to be some yeah. changes, whether it's to the system or the coaches, because yeah. you can't keep doing this. To be honest, even if they make the playoffs and you know, let's say they don't go far or something, if they make the playoffs, lose in the first round, I still think you got to make a change on the assistant coaches side if they're the ones in charge of the power play. Like, there's got to be something different next year because right, they sucked right. last postseason. They suck again this regular season. Like, that's one of the biggest problems when they're healthy or not, and that's likely going to have to be something yeah. that changes for this team. So, Golden Knights uh, don't control their own destiny, but not out of it yet. I'm still, I'm still going to wait till Monday yet. Still going to give it a, yeah, it's a, the hot a weekend. Sh- it's the hot take on Monday. Yeah, still going to give it a weekend. Coming up next, we'll jump into the NBA because the play-in games are fun. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. The NBA play-in games uh, started last night. What are you? What, what are we moaning about already? No, not. I'm not moaning at all. I'm saying, oh, oh. man, look at the Nets. Oh, look you sound disappointed. Oh, okay. no. All right. No. Well, <laughs> no. here we go. The Nets, they beat the Cavs 115-108. They actually led that game for by double digits for the majority of it. Cavs made a run in the fourth quarter but didn't really uh threaten seriously in that game but Kyrie Irving had 34 points on 12 of 15 shooting he also had 12 assists he made his first 12 shots of the game uh Kevin Durant 25 on 9 of 16 doesn't even seem like a great game from Kevin Durant uh because Kyrie was incredible so they beat the Cavs who didn't have Jared Allen they're now into the first round they play the Celtics it's the 7-2 matchup uh, maybe you're going to say yes to this simply because you predicted they'd win the East like two months ago, but <laughs> should they be favored to beat the Celtics? Don't want to be favored. Want to be the underdog the oh, entire Jesus. way. Want to be the underdog. Want to oh, be the, want to win this thing as the underdog the entire way. Let me ask you something real quick about Kyrie. Could you do what he did while fasting during uh, Ramadan? You know, he was no. fasting. No, which was, I heard that afterwards. I'm like, no, what? I'm like, what? Uh, like, I mean, <laughs> there, okay. uh, there was a, uh, I cannot remember the player, but there was a soccer game in Germany, and one of the players on one of the teams was fasting. And whatever time his fast was supposed to be over happened during the game, and they actually stopped the game and let him. He went and ate and drank something really quick for like sixty seconds. They actually stopped Jeez. the game to let him do it. Uh, yeah, no, no was, chance you could oh walk out there after fast like that. It's like what one of the cliche things: food is fuel. Like right, you need right. fuel for your body, and these right. people are supposed to be performing at the highest level. That he no played. He played at a pretty high level. Yeah. If I if I miss a meal in a day, I can't stand up without like feeling lightheaded. You kidding me? You gonna go play basketball? No chance. Um, so the Celtics they are not expecting to have Robert Williams, uh, one of their not big names but more important players for this series Celtics still managed to hold on and grab the two seed we'll see if that's actually a good thing for them in the postseason but they still ended up with the two seed in the east we've talked about it a lot for the last month or so I I believe in the idea that if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving yeah Jason Tatum's there but I think those might be the two best players in the series and that's gonna go a long way to deciding who wins the first round series and like you said last night Durant was just okay yeah, you know, I mean, he was he was okay. He had like I think he might add eleven assists or something. He was more kind of uh, facilitating a lot. But uh, yeah, if they're if Kevin Durant's the best player in the world when he's healthy, he is. And Kyrie plays like he did last night. I I 
they're not going to be favored, I don't think, because of the whole home code. I haven't seen the odds. I haven't looked this morning as what the series odds are. But for that reason, they should, you know, in most people's minds, they should be the favorite if those guys can play like they can play. Yeah, and the the other part of this is it wasn't just Kyrie Irving had 34 and 12 and Kevin Durant had 25 and 11. Bruce Brown last night. Bruce Brown, yeah. Scored 18. Andre Drummond scored 16. Yeah. Nick Claxton had 13. Nick, Cla- Nick Claxton didn't miss a shot last night. Like, they had, they had three guys, not named Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant, scoring double figures. And if they're going to get role player production in the postseason, plus Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I I think they beat the Celtics. I think we're talking about the, the Brooklyn Nets in the second round, and at that point they'd be matched up with Milwaukee, which is uh, you know, yeah, a rematch of last year when the Nets almost sent Milwaukee home, but Kevin Durant's foot was too big. Right. Like, I listen. They got through the play-in game, and now your prediction of them winning the East, I think it, it's not its not the worst prediction in the world, Ed. Well, it was my hot take three months ago. <laughs> uh, according to William Hill, the odds for the series, series uh, Nets plus 120. Okay, Celtics, small favorite then. And Celtics, Celtics minus sm- Celtics are a small favorite. Yes. Okay. Okay, all right. That makes sense. I mean, that's... It doesn't make sense to you and I if those two play like they can, but for the series price, that makes sense that you'd favor the Celtics. Yeah, and listen, the Celtics have been really good all year. Yes. And like they have they have crushed good teams. Like that that's been one of the main things about the Celtics and why I remember like a couple months ago we were looking at five thirty eight and their projected title winner and it was the Celtics and we were like, What? That doesn't right, make much right. sense. It's because they they crushed good teams. Like they were blowing out good teams for a long stretch there. So the Celtics ceiling is very high. Like they absolutely can beat anybody in the East and they can do it in a very convincing fashion. I don't know how much Robert Williams impacts and changes that. I'm guessing quite a bit. I don't know if it's enough to where they lose a series because of it. So it's, yeah, it's not the Celtics are completely awful, but it's just, the the Kevin Durant Kyrie Irving duo, if it's good, I, it's almost like I think like you you predicted two months ago they win the East if those two are good enough. Um, in the West, the Timberwolves beat the Clippers one hundred nine one hundred four. Um, so this is what's fascinating about this one: Carl Anthony Towns useless last yeah, night. Didn't do anything. Uh, Fouled out, only played 24 minutes, 11 points on three of 11 shooting. But the Timberwolves, uh, at one point in the game with Carl Anthony Towns on the bench, went on a big run, outscoring the Clippers by 10. And then when he fouled out with five or six minutes left, they outscored the Clippers by 10. It was like when Carl Anthony Towns wasn't out there, the T-Wolves were excellent. Anthony Edwards was awesome last night. And you look at their first-round matchup now with the Memphis Grizzlies what do you think their chances are what would their should their chances well, be to beat Memphis you have this down here how good how healthy is John Morant yeah i still think i kind of think they still would win if he wasn't 100% um just cuz maybe that's the uh, personal side of me cuz i just want um the grizzlies to go far cuz i just love watching him play and i love John Morant to watch him play but if he's 100% healthy i think Memphis wins the series I don't remember. I don't know what it finished up as, but I know at some point in March or early April, the Grizzlies were like 16 and two without John ja Morant. Um, they played really well this season, even with John ja Morant hurt. Now, obviously, he's the best player on that team. Getting into a postseason series and not having him, or even just having him at 80%, can be a big difference. And I would think the Timberwolves, if, if John ja Morant's at like 80% or whatever, 
the Timberwolves will have a shot and they'll probably pick off, you know, two games or something like that. Ultimately, I think the Grizzlies are, are good enough to get past uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves, even if John Morant's not healthy. Now, the problem for the Grizzlies comes the next two rounds is they're probably not beating. Well, they're beat up, too, but they're probably not beating the Warriors if John Morant's not 100 percent. And they're definitely not beating the Suns if John Morant's not 100 percent. Do we have time for the glued woman? Do we have time for the glued woman? Or is this woman? a front page thing? Because this I is think, just yeah, we might absolutely need to save it because we need more time on the buffoonery. We need, we're, we'll we'll uh, save it. We'll get back beautiful. to the glued woman because I'm still not 100% sure what was going on. There. We'll, more more glued woman talk <laughs> at the front coming page. up. Which, by the way, for anybody listening that doesn't know what we're talking about, that's the weirdest tease I think we've ever had on yes, the show. Yes, absolutely. The glued woman. <laughs> no, if you don't know what <laughs> yes. happened, it's the it's the weirdest tease you've ever heard in radio. Sherman doesn't tuned. like it. He doesn't like teases. At, at least in, in <laughs> Sploosh. How yeah. did you get Sherman out of I don't of know, sploosh? but from now on, he's Sherman. <laughs> Sploosh is like, and Sploosh is the easiest name to remember, yeah. too. It's a ridiculously dumb name, and you call him Sherman. <laughs> He's the one that bought chickens because of me. Oh, then it, it is Sherman from now on. Sherman. You're Sherman. just giving him fake I'm just names giving him now? names. Yeah, fake chickens, fake names. There you go, buddy. Unbelievable. So to wrap up the play-in games from last night, we got two more tonight. The Cavs are going to play the winner of Atlanta Charlotte to get the eight seed. Meanwhile, the Clippers will play the winner of the Spurs and Pelicans to get the eight seed in the West. On the East side, uh, Cleveland, Atlanta, Charlotte. Do you care about any of those teams? Do you want to see any of those teams advance? I want Charlotte to advance because I like watching LaMelo ball play. Is he more fun than Trey Young? Probably not as fun. I just like watching him play. Okay. This is where I, I'm at with these teams and how much I care. I just look. I just. <laughs> I just say that I like players. I don't really care who advances out of all of these. Um, so then it's like, okay, who do I want to see play? Like you're right. I mean, Trey Young's amazing, but I like watching Lamelo, and I want I, a ball around because that means you know we might get some craziness. I'm not that intrigued by any of the teams in the West. Spurs, Pelicans. Clippers uh, don't, left. Don't care. I guess Paul George and the Clippers, but unless unless you tell me Kawhi Leonard's suddenly healthy, I yeah, I the teams like I I want to see Lamelo and Charlotte, but I also want to see Trey Young in Atlanta. So it's a I don't know. The East is has more fun players in, yes. the, in the in these Absolutely. for the eight seed than the actual West does, but it it's ultimately not going to matter because Phoenix and Miami are both going to roll whoever they get in the first round, and it shouldn't be much of an issue at all. All right, coming up next. Ben Goats joins the show. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Quickly before we get to Ben, the Raiders and Derek Carr have agreed on a three-year contract extension worth $121.5 million. He will be the Raiders quarterback through 2025, although... We should probably wait and see what the guaranteed money is there before we actually say that. Um, we'll get more into that in a few minutes here on the Press Box. But joining us now from the Review Journal is Ben Goats. Good morning, Ben. How hey, are Ben. You? I'm doing good, guys. Not as good as Derek Carr, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, for not having uh, nine figures in the bank, I'd say my morning's going okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, get, here's, here's your uh, – Embrace debate question of the morning. Did the Golden Knights gain a point or lose a point last night? I am of the opinion that they lost a point because they needed two last night. Uh, I know there's a whole loser point debate in hockey with the three-point game when you get to overtime. I'm kind of team loser point. I would be more okay with the loser point. You got like three for either a regulation win or an overtime win. You did more of the kind of soccer 
style setup where it's three one uh, zero. But I think you should not uh, get a point because you lost a game with skaters doing some form of hockey on the ice. Obviously, three on three is much different than uh, normal regulation, but it's not as gimmicky to me as the shootout. So I'm on I'm on team lost a point. And even though obviously looked like the Knights were going to get no points out of that game last night for quite a while. I thought that was still a pretty massive point to drop. Yeah, I was going to say it's pretty massive because everyone else won. Are you of the mind that this is not looking good down the stretch here? I mean, there's still a chance, but those kind of points are huge. And, you know, let's say the Kings beat Colorado. Probably won't, but who knows? I mean, you know, Dallas is beating Tampa. You never know how motivated at this point Colorado is. Um, if they do that, Ben, given the Kings schedule, this just each day further, it doesn't look as good. No, I mean, it gets really obviously difficult from here. As you mentioned, the Kings have Colorado tonight, second game of back-to-back. Uh, that is the Kings' last game against a projected playoff team. Uh, they currently have the 31st uh, most difficult schedule in the NHL, according to Tankathon, and that is with the Colorado Avalanche still on it. They have a cupcake. A schedule away from here. So obviously the fact that the Knights did not get the full two points yesterday, uh, you know, looking up at the standings, they're three points behind the Kings with a game in hand. So no matter how that game in hand goes for the Knights, they are still behind the Kings. That's obviously tough. That puts them in a tough position. And obviously they're still three points behind the Stars, and the Stars have a game in hand. Um, like I said, it looks Looks pretty difficult for the Knights. Now, I still probably would give them somewhere in the 40% range to make the playoffs. But I think what you're talking about now, looking at these next two games in Calgary and in Edmonton, is that you probably need to obviously try your hardest to win both. And failing that, probably at least need to hope that if you do lose, you lose in overtime. And so that way, you can hopefully at least try to exit this three-game road trip with four points and kind of make it seem like you went two and one, but a regulation loss, which obviously they will probably not be favored to win either of these next two games is going to be, you know, pretty harmful to their chances. It was a problem in the postseason last year. It's been a problem this year when they've been healthy, when they've been injured, when they've been trying to get healthy, what's wrong with the power play? Man, this is an evergreen statement. Oh, for 18, after last night's performance in Vancouver. Obviously, last night it's a little tricky because you're adding Mark Stone back in. While obviously, I think the Knights would much rather have Mark Stone in the lineup than out, he hasn't played in more than two months. So that's just not going to, you know, click right away. I mean, he even said in the postgame last night, he has literally not skated uh, on the same ice as Jack Eichel in a game with Eichel on his team. So you're not expecting that to necessarily click right away, but obviously this predates Mark Stone coming back as well. And when you have a guy that is as talented as Eichel, and even he still doesn't noticeably lift up your power play, that's a problem. I think the Knights are still kind of too static. They're too predictable. They're not, you know, kind of exchanging throughout the power play. They're not switching, you know, positions, kind of putting pressure on defenders to stay with them or, you know, have to decide, do I track you know, with Eichel or Dwight kind of stay in my spot back over here. They just make it very easy on opposing penalty kills to defend them. And we saw that last night because the Canucks had the 30th ranked penalty kill in the NHL and they were perfect 
last night. So obviously it's been an issue, as you said, for a while, including the 0 for 15 did to end last postseason. But the Knights needed a special teams goal at some point last night to give them a lift, and they just never got it. And if that obviously continues the rest of this road trip, they're going to be in a very tough spot. Yeah, they get two shots on goal, no high danger chances, and three power plays. I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly. horrible. Absolutely can't happen. Uh, who do you who do you put the onus on here? Because they've already changed coaches on the power play. We were talking about this before. Let's say they don't make it. And we we somewhat think that Bill Foley, if he had to make decisions, would say, you know what, there's been a ton of injuries, scrap it, you know, flush it down, we'll go next year, everyone will be healthy, and that'll and you know, we'll go forward with everyone. Can you see that? And, you know, Tyler made the point uh, earlier, is it an assistant coach? Is is someone do you think going to have to either be the fall guy or take the blame on this if they don't make the playoffs and at the beginning of the year they were a Stanley Cup contender? Yeah, that's a fascinating question. I was actually having that discussion a little bit last night about, yeah, Pete DeBoer, I think, you know, despite the fact that obviously this season has been relatively disappointing, I think it's hard to put a ton of blame on him just in terms of all the injuries this team has suffered. The fact that he's willed them to points through a lot of the times that this team has been injured. I mean, despite the fact they lost last night, this is a team that's 6-1-1 one, and one in their last eight games, and they've absolutely needed every single one of those wins in order to stay alive in this playoff chase. I mean, as disappointing as only getting a point yesterday was, they were down two goals entering the third period, just like they were down three goals entering the third period against Chicago and rallied back to get both. Um, so I think it's hard to put a lot on Pete DeBoer's shoulders, obviously he still deserves some. I think the power play is a big part of that, as you said. But even there, we've already kind of seen a midseason change where I mean, it was very obvious that the night's last practice, the spot is no longer really kind of guiding or directing that unit. Assistant coach Ryan Craig is, and that's the switch that we saw some time ago. And while I think it had a kind of an immediate little boost to the power play, it sure hasn't had the lasting impact that they probably hoped it would. So they're going to really have to seriously evaluate that in the offseason. And, oh, I think these are fascinating discussions that they do end up not making because they've tried to course correct a little bit. They're going to have to make a call on Pete DeBoer either way, who, like I said, I don't think has done a bad job and I don't think can necessarily, you know, is a deserving fall guy if they don't make the playoffs. But I would also be surprised given the way that Bill Foley has run this organization and the lofty standards that they have set, that they would be willing to walk in the offseason and just be like, yeah, that was fine. We just got unlucky. We'll flush it and forget it. That doesn't seem like their M.O., but I guess we'll see. Is Robin Leonard the best goalie giving this team the best shot to win games every night? That is a fascinating question that I'm sure Pete DeBoer is wrestling with right now because he obviously did not look comfortable Yesterday, making his fourth straight start third against Vancouver uh, in that span. I don't think he was solid in his read, solid in his movement in the crease. He looked like he was a little too all over the place, something that also seemed to be the case the last time he played the Canucks at home at T-Mobile Arena. I thought he got a lot better against Arizona, but then kind of reverted back against the Canucks. And now this is a really interesting decision for Pete DeBoer, do you go with the veteran that you've been through kind of these playoff battles with but hasn't necessarily found his game right now? And as I said, you can't afford to probably drop in regulation any of these next two 
or in Calgary, which is one of the best teams in the NHL, or in Edmonton in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl's house, do you go to a rookie who has won four straight starts, but those you know four wins came against Nashville at home, which is a good win, but then Chicago at home, and then two against Seattle on the road, and has not started since the beginning of the month. Logan Thompson's last start was April 1st, so he's been off for about 12 days here. Uh, I think that's an incredibly tricky debate if you're Pete DeVore that I'm sure is causing him to lose some of the remaining hairs he has on his head. He's obviously not uh, a stranger to tough goalie decisions with this organization or potentially controversial goalie decisions with this team, but I think this one is a really difficult one for him because, you, like I said, you have the veteran who you've been through the battles with and, you know, has two days off, so could theoretically go again, but has not looked right since coming back from injury versus a rookie who's looked good but hasn't played in a bit and has obviously, if he goes in Calgary, has never been in a spot quite like that before. Speaking Whoa. of coming back from injury, real quick on Martinez, he scores last night, gets the tip. How do you think he's looked from that lengthy, lengthy delay? Yeah, still working through some stuff clearly. Obviously, there's some moments in that Canucks game that he would like to have back. And I'm talking about the Canucks game that was at home at T-Mobile Arena. Uh, that the Knights lost. But that had to feel good for him yesterday. First goal of the season. I mean, can you imagine if we said before the year that Alec Martinez's first goal would be April 13th. Uh, also, first two-point game of the season. So I think looking a little bit more active, you're seeing Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff spot him with Alex Petrangelo a little bit more, kind of building him into games where he's starting with Zach Whitecloud, and then if he's feeling good, they're kind of moving him up. So I think that's a good sign for him. I think they'll obviously keep working him in on the power play because his one-timer is so good from the right circle there. But I still see there's still kind of some timing things and passing, you know, connectivity things that he's clearly working through. So it's obviously clearly not 100%. Do we get him? I think it's been gone. No, I'm here. Oh, there he is. Oh, okay. okay there he okay. is. Good, good, right. good, good. Well, he's Ben Goats from the Review Journal. Uh, also here to uh, let you know how Pete DeBoer's hairline is. Thanks, yes. Ben. We Thanks, appreciate Ben. It. We really appreciate that. Hey, no problem. Anytime. <laughs> <what I'm> here. <laughs> so Ben Goats from the Review Journal. Coming up next. We jump in uh, to Derek Carr's extension with the Raiders. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff. They finally found the sweet spot. Derek Carr and the Raiders have agreed on a three-year contract extension that is worth $121.5 million. He has a year left on his contract, so that means that Derek Carr has four more years where he is under contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, we haven't gotten details on like guaranteed money, which is obviously the most important part of any NFL contract since they are not fully guaranteed, unless you're Deshaun Watson. Uh, that is probably going to be the more important detail once that finally does come out. But Ed, three more years or four more years, $121.5 yeah. million. What do you make of this extension was... for the Raiders and Carr? I think... Uh... I think you and I have talked about it a lot. I think we were both thought it was going to be about three years. I think the money is really good for him. How about the no-trade clause, Tyler? Yeah, there's a no-trade clause. I mean, he's going to be around. Hey. Well, I mean, essentially you think he's going to be around, but um, I'm interested in the guarantee. I think you put out the number 65 
which kind of, it always kind of lands in that range, right? When it's 120, it always kind of lands in the, the halfway range. So good for Derek Carr. I think, you know, we've said it. They built this team to win, whether it is going to win or not right now, who knows, but they built it. It would have been a little bizarre had they not come to an agreement with him soon because they built the team to win now. And obviously if they did that, he had to be the quarterback. So I think it's a fair contract um, both ways. I'm a little, I don't know if I'm surprised. Let me ask you this because it seems like a contract that could have been agreed upon a while ago. So I'm wondering the holdup was Carr on years. Yeah, that's the part I'm trying to figure out here because Derek Carr, I imagine, got the money he wanted. Yeah. Or pretty close to the money he wanted because this is, if you just took those three years they're adding on, that's an extra $40 million yeah. per year. It's 40 now, a year. If you factor in that he's got one year left at just under $20 million, the rest of his contract now is four years, and it's about $35 million per season. Um, I can't imagine Derek Carr was asking for much more than that. If he was, Derek Carr was overshooting his market. Right. But I don't I think imagine he was. Right. And he ends up getting the three-year deal, or three extra years onto his deal. Uh, I, I Maybe it was years. Do you think Carr wanted more than the extra three years? I do. I think he wanted, you know, look, I mean, security, what am I saying? He got $125 million, probably 70, 65 guaranteed. But I think he maybe was throwing out four or five years and they weren't ready to And they kind of met in the middle here. Maybe they wanted a few years and they gave him a third. Who knows? That that I don't know. That will be reported eventually. I'm with you. I'm more, I'm more interested in the guaranteed money, which I think we're going to be around 65. So, you know, he's in the fold for four years if that's, you know, if they want him to be and he got the no trade and, I mean, I think his agent did a good job. He got him a no trade, and he got him, like you said, if you just go on the extension part of it, he's making $40 million a year. That's, he's doubled his salary. I wonder I wonder if the big loss in this entire negotiation ends up being that no trade clause. Because... The biggest... Um, excuse me, the biggest what? The biggest loss okay, for either right, side okay, ends right. up being that no trade clause for the Raiders. Because... What what happens in th- you know three years from now if this team like doesn't make the playoffs under this mm-hmm. head coach and general manager? I mean, I'm, one of them, if not both, are probably getting fired, and all of a sudden somebody else has to come in and inherit the Derek Carr contract and can't trade it away. Like yeah. I, I that that to me sticks out as something that maybe it maybe it means nothing, right? Maybe the Raiders are are very good for the next three years. Maybe the Raiders make the playoffs, have a deep run at some point in there, and Derek Carr's great. But if this team finishes fourth in the AFC West like expected, and then you're rolling into Derek Carr coming into three years and $40 million for three years, or every year for three years, and you still can't make the playoffs, and there's a new head coach or there's a new general manager, and Carr's been with this organization and can't get to the playoffs more than twice, that no-trade clause could be a problem because as much as as much, it didn't come to anything, but it's a it was a legitimate conversation of whether or not the Raiders should have traded Derek Carr this offseason. Once they got Adams, once they got Chandler Jones, right? They were all in. They're yes. trading trading Derek yes. Carr at that point didn't make any sense. But there was a legitimate conversation to do you trade Derek Carr and you know effectively rebuild, try to stockpile for two to three years down the road. Well, that's the decision they had to make coming in, right? Right. And they, they made the, the decision. They made the decision to go for it. Yeah. If we get three or four years down the road and this team hasn't done anything, hasn't shown any success, right? They haven't made the playoffs or they, maybe they've made it once and lost in the first round again. You're probably having that same conversation. Carr's not going to be ancient. 
Carr's probably going to no. have some value, but if he has no trade clause, it becomes extremely hard or more difficult at least to trade him. And I do wonder if that ends up being, because the money side of it, I don't know if that's going to be a big deal. The, the years doesn't seem like it's a big deal. I do wonder if that no trade clause a few years down the road is what ultimately hurts the Raiders more than anything You surprised else. they gave that to him? A little bit. Are, a do, little they, bit. do these, I mean, you follow this stuff closely. Is this a, is this a common thread where guys get no trade clauses? I, I hear it in other sports. Yeah, um, I don't you know, or you have common. the ten list of daddy, and you have these, you have these lists in hockey, and you have these <laughs> other things where you know you have no trade clause. I think Mark Stone has one, but I don't hear it because you know because football and the kind of sport it is, um, I don't hear it as often. I, that, I I'll just say this: that completely surprises me. It might not, it shouldn't, maybe it shouldn't surprise me. You can tell me, but when I read that, I'm like, that's really interesting. The money, the years, that all made sense. I'm uh, trying to look through Matt Stafford here because that's been the big comparison for Carr. I don't see anything about a no trade clause that's for Matt Stafford. Interesting. Um, so yeah, I may and help. Maybe that was the holdup. Maybe that's what took so long. Yeah. Here, is the Raiders didn't want to give it and eventually relented and did give him the no trade clause because that again it it won't it shouldn't matter for the next year or so. But there's a chance that it has an impact on this team down the line if they don't reach their goals and help to be honest even if they do reach their goals they could win the super bowl this year and three years from now they could be bad again right they could be awesome for three years have gone all in and not work out so i that that's an interesting detail because it doesn't seem like i'm i will have to figure out how many other quarterbacks i, I have full no trade don't clauses. keep i don't hear much about it yeah i don't think there's going to be too many out there but Derek carr got one